Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. Happy Wednesday or whenever you are listening to this. I hope you are having a great week thus far. It is halfway over, the weekend's almost here. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we have a very, very upsetting case. We have a very disturbing case. And today we're talking about Andrea Yates. If you've never heard of Andrea Yates, you are about to be thrown through the ringer on an emotional roller coaster. This is a case that has made a lot of people very upset. A lot of people have very strong opinions on this case, leaning one of two ways, which we will get to at the end of this, because I'm very curious to see where you lie on this case and where your mindset is on that. So without giving anything else away, let's jump right on into it today. Andrea Yates was born on July 2nd, 1964 in Hallsville, Texas to her parents, Jetta Kohler and Andrew Kennedy. Andrea was raised in a very Catholic household and she was also the youngest of five children. Now, growing up, Andrea loved her family. She was completely 100% devoted to them and she also really excelled in school and in academics. She was extremely active in high school she not only was the captain of the swim team and an officer in the National Honor Society, but she also was her class valedictorian at Milby High School, where she graduated from in 1982. Now, something to note about Andrea is that she did suffer from multiple mental health problems while growing up. She suffered with depression. She also had an eating disorder. She did suffer from bulimia. And along with that, she did have suicidal thoughts on multiple different occasions. But Andrea was never put on any medication for any of this. She never saw a psychiatrist until later in life. So she really was just internally battling with these problems. Now, after high school, Andrea went on to study at a two-year nursing program. This program was at the University of Houston, and then she graduated from the University of Texas School of Nursing after that. And from the years of 1986 to 1994, so until Andrea was about 30 years old, she was working as a nurse. She was employed at the University of Texas Anderson Cancer Center, and during her time working at this center is when she met a man named Russell Yates. Russell is also known as Rusty, which is what we are going to be referring to him as throughout the rest of this case. Now, Rusty and Andrea actually met at their apartment complex. They lived in the same complex, which was called the Sunscape Apartments. And they first met each other while Andrea and him were both at the pool. Rusty was sitting out at the pool and Andrea was actually floating in the pool. This was the first time he saw her. And the way Andrea was floating was with her legs together and her arms out, similar to a cross. At least that is what Rusty compared it to. And in that moment, Rusty knew that that is who he wanted to be his wife. Now, at first, Andrea was actually really uninterested in Rusty. He had made several advances towards her, all which she turned down. However, after seeing each other multiple times around the complex, because they did live in the same one, Andrea did kind of come around on to Rusty. And she started to become a little bit more fond of him. So she ultimately decided to make a move and the two of them began dating. And they dated for about three years before they decided to move in together. 
After moving in together, the two of them got married on April 17th, 1993. And something to note about Andrea and Rusty's relationship was that this was Andrea's really her first substantial relationship. She had dated someone prior to Rusty, so she'd only dated two people in her life. However, Rusty and her's relationship was really the only real true relationship that she had ever experienced. Something that Andrea and Rusty really connected on was religion. Both were extremely Catholic and spent a lot of their times bonding and connecting over that. They went to church together, they studied the Bible together. Now, Rusty worked as an engineer, and once the two of them got married, they bought a four-bedroom home located in Friendswood, Texas, and this four-bedroom home was perfectly equipped to house Rusty and Andrea's future children. Now, children was something that Andrea and Rusty were very excited about. This was a chapter that they were both really looking forward to, and at their wedding, they actually both made it a point to tell everyone that they were going to have as many children as God allowed them to have. And they definitely followed through with that statement. Andrea and Rusty had their first child, a son named Noah, on February 26th, 1994. And after Noah was born, Andrea decided that she was going to quit her nursing job and become a full-time stay-at-home mom. I will say that there are some contradicting statements as to whether or not Andrea quitting her job was was something that she wanted to do and an idea that she had, or if this was something that Rusty more so expected of Andrea and almost forced Andrea into doing. However, Andrea is described as a people pleaser. She would basically agree with anyone that she was talking to at that moment. And a lot of people believe that her quitting her job and devoting every single second of every single day to being at home and a new mom wasn't necessarily a decision that she came up with on her own. However, it was one that she went along with to please her husband. Now, after the birth of Noah, Andrea's mental health definitely started to decline. As much as she absolutely adored Noah and loved being a mom and was good at being a mom, Andrea definitely suffered from some postpartum depression. Andrea told her psychiatrist that she often had visions of her stabbing someone and she also told her that she would hear different voices and said that it was Satan speaking to her. Now the following year after Noah on December 15th 1995 Andrea and Rusty had their second son whom they named John and in 1996 Rusty got a new job and the family was relocated to Florida. So Rusty, Andrea, and the two kids, they ended up moving from Texas to Florida, but they actually, instead of moving into a new home, they moved into a trailer. And this wasn't necessarily for financial reasons, and we will get into that in a second. However, this Florida job didn't really pan out as well as Rusty would have hoped it would, so the family ended up moving back to Texas. And instead of continuing to live in a trailer, Rusty, Andrea, and their two boys moved into a GMC motorhome. Essentially, it was a Greyhound bus that they had made into a home. 
Now, part of the reason that this all happened, part of the reason that they downsized so much, like I said, it wasn't necessarily for financial reasons. This had a lot to do with a man named Michael Warinecki. Now, Michael Warinecki is an extremist Christian street preacher. Now, I say extremist because he is known for having these aggressive protests and aggressive ways of getting this message of living through Jesus across. Now, something that Michael also preaches about is living a simplistic and minimalistic lifestyle, and that is part of the reason that the Yates downsized so much from a four-bedroom home all the way to a trailer. Michael preached that owning a home was contributing into a satanic conspiracy against God. Now, don't ask me why, because I truly have no idea where that connection is. However, Rusty truly believed that Michael's word and what Michael was preaching was true. And that is why he so heavily followed Michael's message. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Rusty believed that he was going to be living a nomadic lifestyle by following Michael's message. And something else that Michael did that is truly bizarre, I don't know if he still does this because by the way, he still preaches, he's still out doing all of this. He has a whole website, he has a blog, he has all of it. However, something that he used to do was he used to have his followers, the people who were following his practices and his preachings, he used to have them write him letters. And these letters essentially explained where they were at, where his followers were at with their relationship with God. Now, after Michael would read and receive these letters, he would then write back and basically pick apart all of the things that were wrong with that specific person. Now, Andrea was one of the people that had written Michael a letter, and I'm just going to read you some of the excerpts from Michael's letter in return to her of how he spoke to her. He told her things such as, quote, you are evil, God knows how wicked you are, you must accept the reality that your life is under the curse of sin, and death, end quote. Now with Rusty and Andrea both being heavy followers of Michael, Andrea receiving a letter like this, especially with her mental state at the time, definitely did not help her state and definitely deteriorated her mental state even more. Now in 1997, Andrea and Rusty welcomed their third son whom they named Paul. And two years later in 1999, they had their fourth son named Luke. That is four kids in the span of five years. That is a lot of change and a lot of new responsibility to take on. And it was a lot for Andrea to handle. Andrea became extremely depressed and suffered from extreme postpartum depression, so much so that just several months after her fourth son was born in June, 1999, Andrea attempted suicide on two different occasions after having a nervous breakdown. And she was actually hospitalized twice because of this. 
There was one occasion where Rusty got a phone call while Andrea was at work, and Andrea asked him to come home immediately. And when he did, Rusty walked in on Andrea biting on her fingers, not her fingernails, her actual fingers. And her entire body was rapidly shaking. And this is when she told Rusty that she needed help. Now, Rusty took this incident and Andrea saying that she needed help, as in that Andrea was telling him that she needed help with the kids. However, she was telling Rusty that she needed help mentally. The following day, Andrea went to her parents' home, and this is when she attempted to commit suicide by trying to overdose on her father's sleeping medication. Now, after this suicide attempt, Andrea was taken to the hospital, and she was given antidepressants. She was given the medication called Zoloft, and this medication was supposed to help her mental state. And shortly after being prescribed Zoloft, her doctor actually wanted to change her medication and put her on a medication that also treats schizophrenia, which is something that Soloft does not do. But here is the problem. The problem here is that Andrea did not want to take any kind of medication. She was extremely against it. She would actually trick people into thinking that she was taking her meds because she would put her pills into her cheeks and make it seem as if she had swallowed them. Michael Warinecki, the extreme preacher, was very strict on living a medication-free lifestyle. And because her and Rusty so heavily followed his practices, she believed that taking any sort of medication was not something that would help her relationship with God. Now, because Andrea was not taking her medication as she was supposed to, her mental health continued to rapidly deteriorate, so much so that one day Rusty walked in on Andrea holding a knife to her neck, begging him to let her die. Rusty then had to wrestle Andrea into getting the knife out of her hands and then took her to the hospital where she was then prescribed a mixture of different medications that she was forced to take. Now, one of these medications included Haldol, which is an antipsychotic drug. And once this drug was in her system and Andrea started talking to the doctors, she informed them that she had been having visions of trying to kill herself with a knife over 10 different times in the days leading up to her actually attempting to do so. The doctors also noticed that Andrea had claw marks all on her legs and her arms. And when Andrea was in the hospital and was prescribed Haldol, everyone around her noticed a major difference in her mental state. She had almost immediately improved. And because she actually felt a lot better at the time after taking Haldol, she actually continued to take it after she left the hospital. So she was on this medication for a decent period of time. However, she ultimately got to the point where she decided that she didn't want to take it anymore again. Andrea would go through these almost phases of taking the medication and it working. However, then she would switch her mindset into thinking that she would be fine without it and that it would help her relationship with God to not be on the medication. So then she would stop taking it. So then she would succumb to another breakdown. And that is exactly what happened here. But also at this time, Rusty actually had a sit down conversation with Andrea's mother. And Andrea basically told Rusty, because mind you, at this point, they were still living now with four boys in this mobile home, in this 
in this Greyhound bus, it was Rusty, Andrea, and her four children. And again, this was not because of financial reasons. This was simply because they were following this extreme preacher's messages. And Andrea's mother sat down with Rusty and told Rusty that the two of them needed to live in a home, that having a home would potentially help Andrea's mental state in feeling more secure and more stable. And she wouldn't feel so confined in this bus with these four young toddlers running around. And Rusty actually ended up listening to Andrea's mother and the two of them bought a house and moved almost immediately. Their house that they bought was in a Houston suburb called Clear Lake City. And one month after they moved in July, 1999, Andrea again succumbed to another breakdown, which resulted in two more suicide attempts and another psychiatric hospitalization. And this is when Andrea was diagnosed with having severe postpartum psychosis. After this diagnosis, Andrea was then linked with a psychiatrist named Dr. Eileen Starbranch, who was meeting with Andrea almost monthly. And Dr. Starbranch told Andrea that essentially she needed to stop having children because if she continued to have children, her mental state was going to completely deteriorate and it would cause her to have more psychotic and more depressive episodes. So she highly, highly suggested that Andrea and Rusty stopped having children. However, again, Andrea didn't want to live a life on medication. She didn't want to live a life that involved birth control. Michael Warnecki was extremely against birth control. And Rusty and Andrea had said from the beginning that they were going to have as many children as God allowed them to have. So this did not stop them from continuing to have children. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back. After four months of being in their new home and being settled, Andrea got pregnant again, and this time she had a daughter. Her and Rusty named their daughter Mary, and Mary was born on November 30th of the year 2000, and not too long after Mary was born, Andrea's father actually passed away. He was suffering from Alzheimer's, and once he got sick with Alzheimer's, Andrea also became his caregiver. She looked after him. She helped take care of him. So not only was Andrea taking care of her own children, she also was taking care of her father. The passing of Andrea's father hit her very, very hard. She was very, very depressed after this and it sent her into a downward spiral. And this time, Rusty actually picked up on the fact that Andrea was not doing well and that she was spiraling again. So he ended up taking her back to the psychiatric hospital on two different occasions. So with all of this being said, with all of this backstory, let's talk about what happened on June 20th, 2001. Now this was a Wednesday and it started out like any normal Wednesday would. Rusty had woken up and gone off to work that morning and Andrea was actually not supposed to be left alone with the kids. That's how bad her mental state had gotten. She was instructed by her psychiatrists to not let her be alone with the children. So because of this, Rusty's mom was actually supposed to come to their home and help Andrea that day babysit the kids and watch them. And she was scheduled to be there an hour after Rusty had left for work. Rusty figured that Andrea could be alone with the kids for an hour. She would be fine for just an hour. However, that 
was not the case. During this hour period, Andrea proceeded to fill up the bathtub in her bathroom with water and drowned all of her five children. Andrea began with John, and then Paul, and then Luke. After each of their drownings, she laid each one of them in her bed and covered them with a sheet. After drowning her three boys, she then took six-month-old Mary and drowned her in the bathtub as well. And during Mary's drowning, Noah actually walked into the bathroom. And mind you, Noah was seven years old at this point. He was the oldest. And when he walked into the bathroom, he asked Andrea what was wrong with Mary. And in that moment, Noah knew that something was very very wrong and he actually attempted to run away he turned right around and started running however unfortunately andrea got to him after grabbing noah andrea then took him up into the bathroom and drowned him right after mary noah's body was the only one left in the bathtub and andrea had taken mary and taken her into the bed where the other three boys were and placed her into john's arms Andrea then dialed 911 and told the dispatcher that she needed someone to come to the house. She said that her name was Andrea Yates, and some of the excerpts from that phone call are when she said, quote, I just need him to come. The dispatcher then asked if she needed a paramedic or an ambulance, and at first Andrea just said that she needed a police officer. However, after that, she said, actually, yes, send an ambulance. After calling 911, Andrea then hung up the phone and called Rusty. She then told Rusty that he needed to come home because something was wrong with the kids. And when Rusty asked which one, Andrea said all of them. Police arrived on the scene before Rusty did. And when they knocked on the door, Andrea opened the door and looked at authorities dead in the eyes and told them, I just killed my children. Now, when Rusty arrived to the house, authorities and officers were surrounding it while Andrea was inside with multiple officers. Officers had broken the news to Rusty of what had happened, and he obviously became very hysterical, so authorities had to escort Andrea out the back door of the home in order for them to avoid seeing each other. Now, at the police station is when Andrea gave a 17-minute confession, and in summary, Andrea told authorities that she had decided that she was going to do this at about 4 o'clock a.m. that morning on June 20th. She woke up with the determination that this was the day that she was going to do this. However, this was not the first time that Andrea had this thought. She told authorities that she had been thinking for multiple days leading up to the murders that this was something that she was going to do. She just never knew what day she was going to do it. When asked why Andrea chose this specific morning to carry out these murders, she said it was because that Rusty was not home at the time, and she knew that if Rusty was home, that he would stop her from carrying this out. Andrea went into detail about the fact that the first boy that she decided to drown was Paul, who was only three years old at the time. She said she called him into the bathroom and then placed him into the bathtub face down. Once he was completely dead, she then took him out of the bathtub and placed him in her bed and placed a sheet over him and then proceeded to do that with the rest of her kids. Andrea said that in terms of her parenting skills, she felt inadequate and overwhelmed as a mother and thought that she was not doing a good job. And she also said that even though her kids were fighting back in the water, she was determined to kill them. 
She stated that each of her kids struggled right away. However, she was determined and kept holding them down. Andrea also stated that Luke put up the least amount of a fight because he was not strong enough. Andrea says that as far as an emotional standpoint goes, the hardest for her to kill was Noah and Paul because Noah was her firstborn and she knew him the longest and had the longest emotional bond with him. Now, when asked about Rusty in this confession, again, Andrea said that she knew if she told Rusty about these thoughts that she was having that he would try and prevent her from doing this. She said another reason that she never told Rusty about the thoughts that she was having was because Rusty had told Andrea that Satan can't hear your thoughts. If they're in your head, Satan can't hear them, but the second you say them out loud, Satan can hear them and use them against you. Now, as far as the trial goes, Andrea was planning on pleading insanity. However, the state was simultaneously gathering evidence to criminally charge Andrea for her crimes. The prosecution stated that the evidence showed that Andrea knew the difference between right and wrong at the time of the murders. Now, while Andrea was locked up and detained, she was actually forced to take medication. Because she was now incarcerated, she had no choice. And once she started taking the medication, she started to open up to authorities a little bit more and let them in on her mindset a little bit more. She told authorities that her kids were not obeying her and therefore they were not obeying God. She said that they weren't good kids and that they were disobeying God's word, when in reality, they were just toddlers. Three months following Andrea's arrest, she was deemed competent enough to stand trial. Her trial officially began eight months after the murders. Now, the state argued that this was premeditated murder. It was as simple as that. Andrea killed her kids and confessed to it, while the defense argued that Andrea did kill her kids, but at the result of her mental illness. After the trial was over, the jury took three and a half hours to deliberate, and that is when they came to the conclusion that Andrea Yates was guilty of capital murder. She was found guilty on all counts for all five murders and was sentenced to life in prison. However, things changed on January 6th, 2005, because on January 6th, 2005, the Texas Court of Appeal actually reversed the conviction. And they did this because one of the psychiatrists, who was also a prosecution witness during the trial, admitted to giving a false testimony. So because of this, on January 9th, 2006, Andrea pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. And on February 1st, 2006, Andrea Yates was actually released on bail on the condition that she would be admitted to a mental health facility. On July 26th, 2006, Andrea was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was then committed to the North Texas State Hospital. And then in 2007, she was transferred to Kerrville State Hospital hospital. So after all of that, after initially being found guilty on all counts for capital murder for all five of her kids and was sentenced to life in prison, which there was a point where it was possible that Andrea was going to get the death penalty for this, her conviction then got completely reversed and she was placed into a mental treatment facility after being found not guilty for these charges. Now, as far as Rusty goes, if anyone is concerned, Rusty divorced Andrea right after this. After the murders, he divorced her and the divorce was finalized within less than a year. And I believe in 2005 or 2006, I'm not exactly sure what year, he then went on to meet a new woman who he then married and had a son with. However, they got divorced in 2015. And a lot of people blame Rusty for this. A lot of people put a lot of blame on Rusty for the reason being that he knew the state 
the mental state that his wife was in. He knew how bad Andrea's mental health was, and he was just continuing to have children with her and continuing to enable this deteriorating behavior. Instead of saying, no more kids, you're going on birth control, or we're gonna figure something out, and we're gonna focus on getting your mental health better. So for that reason, a lot of people put a lot of blame on him. However, there is no one that can sit here and say that Rusty wanted all of this to happen. And I can only imagine that if he could, he would go back and fix that. Now, in the beginning, I told you guys that a lot of people land on two different extremes in this case. There are people who either hate Andrea with everything in their being and despise her, think that she is a evil, vicious murderer, or there are people who somewhat sympathize with Andrea and they believe, you know, she had extreme PTSD. She had extreme postpartum psychosis. She was on different medications for schizophrenia and depression. So a lot of people believe that she was insane and that this was a result of her postpartum depressive behavior. However, a lot of people do think that that is all an act and that Andrea does know right from wrong and that she's not as insane as she pleads to be. There are people that say that even if she is insane, even if she did have the postpartum psychosis and depression, she could have taken the medications to fix that and to have gotten better and she chose not to. I'm just very interested to see where you guys land on this case, so please, let me know. All right, you guys, that is going to be it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. I will be back next week with a brand new one. And until then, stay safe, guys.